Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So before I jump into today's sermon, just something that you, you've probably heard me say before, I hope you've heard me say before, I hope that you're practicing it on a weekly basis, which is the importance of reading the readings before we come to church on Sunday. I won't say show of hands, okay? But I hope that this is something that, it's not just something that we talk about, but something that we really, really do. And I'll tell you why it's so important. I'm not saying it for my sake. I don't benefit when you read the readings beforehand or not beforehand. Like, it doesn't benefit me. It's not like there's a check on the, 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 everyone checks a box or something like that, and I get a quote or something like that. I'm saying this because I want you to get the most out of the liturgical experience. And so often something that I hear, you know you've said this, is that liturgy, and it's not like we say liturgy's up here, but my experience is here. So often liturgy is the one thing where the, the theory is here, but the practice doesn't always get there. And that's okay because very few things in life, the theory matches the practice. That's okay. But at least we can't have it here, okay? And what I'm telling you, there's one simple thing, one thing that can take you five minutes that can get you from here to here. And that is reading the readings in advance. And I'll tell you why. If you just read the gospel today, like if you just right now, you just showed up and you heard the gospel, you heard a nice story. And it's a story that you probably heard before about Jesus healing the man, the four friends through the roof. It's a very, very nice story. But if you read the readings in advance, and especially if you saw the reading from last night, Vespers, then you would see that there's more to the story than just a simple healing. And then if you connected it with the Pauline epistle, which hopefully you were here in time, but even if you are here, there's a difference, no offense to our wonderful, fantastic reading deacons, okay? It's hard for me to focus when the guys are up here, okay? It's much easier for me to focus when I'm in my room by myself and I'm reading and I'm scrolling and I'm going back and I'm going forward. Then the guy comes up here, okay? And that, you know, puts the icing on top of it. So I really, really, really hope that everyone can do the readings before you come to church. How long does it take to do the readings before you come to church? An hour? Three, is it 30 minutes? How long does it take? Yeah, I would say four minutes if you're an average reader. If you're a little bit you know, below average, six minutes. That's as long as it, for most of you, it would take you just the longest time just to find the app on the phone, okay? If you do a little search, if your phones are very messy, that'll take you the longest time, but it takes four minutes. So if I tell you there's something that takes four minutes and it will benefit you on Sunday morning, I hope everyone would do it. So everyone nod their heads that from now on, we don't come to church unless we do the readings in advance. And that doesn't mean on Sunday morning, do it, because that would be four minutes later to church. We don't want to do that. It means Saturday, we do it, okay? We saw on Saturday, we read for Sunday. Everyone agree? This is a legally binding head shake, okay, is what this is. This is legally binding, okay? Lawyers in the room, okay, they know it, okay? So, <clears throat> with that, today's reading. It was a story that came to us from Mark chapter five, I'm sorry, Luke chapter five, about a man who was paralyzed, whose friends took him to Jesus and they brought him through the roof and he was healed. But I wanna to read to you the first verse from today's gospel. It was Luke chapter five, verse 17. And when we read these verses, again, if you just show up and you're not paying attention, you're just hearing stories on Sunday. But when you focus and you study, what you'll see is that Jesus himself is speaking to us through the gospel. 
That's why, that's another thing, why we stand up when we read the gospel, why we stand up. Because Jesus is speaking. So when, when like, it's like when the, the, the judge walks in the room, everyone stands up. Okay, so Jesus is speaking, so we sit during the other readings, but during the gospel, we, so this is what Jesus is saying. So now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Again, it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting by, who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I think that's a verse not about Luke chapter 5. I think that's a verse about June 18, 2023. I think that's not a verse about Jerusalem. I think that's a verse about Leesburg, Virginia. That it was a certain day, as he was teaching, people had come from every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. People came out of every town from Ashburn and... And, and Fairfax and Centerville, one from Annandale, okay? And as they were gathered, he was in their midst, and the power of the Lord was present to, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And that's not a quick verse. And the reason why that's not a quick verse is because you, if you would have read the, the Gospel for Vespers last night, what was the Gospel for Vespers? Anybody know what happened in the Gospel of Vespers? It's a gospel that we should know. It's, all, it's also from Luke, Luke chapter 4. Read it in the Igbeya on the 11th hour. Luke chapter 4. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made a request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all who had any that were sick with any various diseases were brought them to him. And he laid hands on every one of them, and he, he healed them. And demons came out of many shouting and saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the God, the living God. So last night, Vespers, we have him entering into a house and healing people. We're going to come back to that, circle that house piece. Don't, don't, don't overlook that. He went into a house and he healed people. The gospel that we just read during the liturgy was Jesus going into another house and healing people. You see a theme? Jesus healing people inside a house. And actually, if you were paying attention to the Acts of the Apostle, we won't go into that, but what was the Acts of the Apostle about? I'll give you a hint. It begins with an H. Healing. It was about healing. It was about when St. Paul and Barnabas, and they healed someone. So the, the message for today is clear. It's about healing. Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law when she was sick. Jesus healed all who had any kinds of diseases. Here, Jesus healed a paralyzed man. Acts of the Apostle St. Paul and St. Barnabas healed a, a man who was a, a paralyzed man as well. So the message for today is healing, 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 healing. Jesus as the healer. Now we look at a gospel like this. Oh, again, I won't do show of hands. But how many times have we said, have we thought to ourselves, man, it would be great if Jesus would do healing like that today. Wouldn't that be great? For my sick mom or my sick father or my grandma who passed away, like, as, as not a person who's sitting here today that at one point in time or another hasn't prayed that Jesus would do healing. And in fact, if I told you that Jesus today, that there's healings taking place, you'd be, wow, that's incredible, and healings. And if you heard that someone does healing and healing and healing, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if you could witness a healing 
this weekend. Wouldn't that be great? Well, I got news for you. I did. I did witness a healing. I did witness a healing. And in fact, I didn't witness it in somebody else. I witnessed it in myself. Because on Friday, I received healing from above. Because on Friday, I went to confession. I went to my spiritual doctor. And what I want us to focus on here today is the true healing that Jesus does. Okay, as soon as I said confession, everyone just turned off. Oh, we wanted a story of a broken leg, or we wanted a story. That's not the focus of the story. Because if you notice in this parable, in a parable, in this story, behold, the men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. They couldn't figure it out, so they brought him down, and they put him in the midst of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, what did Jesus say? He says, your sins are forgiven. They brought a sick man. Jesus said, I'm going to heal this man. Your sins are forgiven. And then Jesus, that should have been the end of the story, but because of the funny guys who were like, who can do this and who can do this? is okay, you want to see the, the broken leg, sickness healed? That's easy. That's this. But I got news for you. That's not the real healing. Do you know why? This paralyzed man who was healed from the physical sickness, do you think he got sick again? Do you think he never got a cold? Think he never got the flu? You think he didn't get the, the like if it was COVID, he would have been exempt from it? No. Jesus healed one physical sickness, but then he got another physical sickness. Like he was paralyzed now, but if he's walking down the street and he tripped, he'd have sprained his ankle, he'd been sick again. Same thing with Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick, okay, but if, if, if the person around her had been, <coughs> she got another sickness and then another sickness. So the physical sickness, that's not the real thing. That's the monopoly money healing. The real healing that Jesus wants to do. The physical miracle, this is important. Physical miracles were only to show and manifest the power of God to do the real spiritual miracles. Because the invisible ones, those are why Jesus came. But because he had to show and reveal that he could do them because it's invisible. He did the physical ones. Same thing with the feeding of the five loaves and the two fish. That wasn't about Jesus doing physical miracles. Oh, they were so lucky. They lived, they were so lucky. They lived in a three-year period where there were so many miracles. No. Those, that three-year period where there were so many miracles was just to show that God's power is able to do anything. Because if you can heal the, the paralyzed, and you can five loaves and two fish, and you can walk on water, like who cares about walk on water? Like the, of all the miracles in the world, was that just like an efficiency thing? Like who, what, what's the big deal about that? It was just to manifest God saying, I have the power to forgive sins. I have the power to heal the soul. And that's the real power, but just to show you, I'll do these outside things. But the real healing that God wants to give to every single one of us is the healing of our souls. And that happens in a place called confession. I want to talk about confession. Confession to me, if you ask me, I've said this before, I think when we go up to heaven, okay, when we go up to heaven, our eyes will be open. And when we go up there, we're going to look down here. Like some people say, like when we're up there, can we see here? When we're up there, we'll see a lot more. And we'll be able to see things that I cannot see. That's actually with Pauline. Eye has not seen and ear has not heard. Things that today are invisible to this eye will be open when we get up there. And I think the two things that we are going to, from there, look down here and gasp, <gasps> gasp, is when we see the sacrament of confession and the sacrament of the Eucharist. Probably baptism too, but that happens most frequently. The sacrament of confession and the sacrament of the Eucharist. I think those are the two that we're gonna stand up there and we say, 
We had no idea. We had no idea. We had no idea what we stood in front of here. And we, and we, I'm not calling anybody out who just walked in, okay? We have no, we have no idea. We had no idea. We had no, and I mean, this is not a guilt, okay? I don't care, again, I don't care when you walk in. It doesn't do me any favors. But we are going to get up there, and we're going to say we had no idea what we were in the presence of. We had no idea. And then confession. We had no idea that that fountain was sitting there available to us. We walk around thirsty, thirsty. We walk around so thirsty. We walking around so heavy, so heavy, and we had no idea that the fountain of living water was there. We had no idea that the lifter of all the burdens was there. We had no idea. Like we see confession, and it's just a boon is sitting there waiting for somebody to walk in the door. Okay, hoping and praying that somebody walks in. We had no idea that we're out at our, 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 our parties and our whatever, and we're at boba and getting whatever it may be, and we had no idea. We had no idea that the fountain of living water was sitting there, and I'm walking around thirsty. And this is not a guilt thing. This is not a, a this is a, I'll tell you why. This is a, the, what people come to me and what I see more than anything else in the world today, people are carrying burdens, people are carrying guilt, People come to me and say, how do I know I'm forgiven? How do I? And I'm, the answer is freely in front of us. The answer is confession. Because every time you come to confession, you're not coming to a buna. You're not coming to just an empty church. And just, you're not coming with a laundry list of sins. What you are doing is you are coming just like this man. Let's go back to the story right here. The man who was healed, where did the healing take place? In the street? Where did it take place? I told you earlier. Where did it take place? In a house. Simon's mother-in-law was healed where? In a house. Jesus was in a house, and the people came to him, and that's where he found healing. What's the house? House of God. And when they came to Jesus in the house, this part, I like this part. Was it easy to come to Jesus in the house? No, it was crowded. Not that the confession line is crowded, but... so. And there was people, and they had to fight through the thing. So that means that for us, we need to sometimes be a little bit fighting. Sometimes be a little bit, that sometimes, you know what? Sometimes we'll come to church, and there will be a line of people. And we say, oh, no, you're going to sit there. You're going to fight your way through. And sometimes it will be inconvenient, because you had the soccer party, and then you had the, the, the shower for so-and-so, and then the next week the other shower, and then the shower after that. Every week is showering. We're very clean people. Every week there's some kind of event, and I get it. And we all have busy lives, and there's this stuff, and I get it. But sometimes you have to fight. Sometimes you have to fight. And sometimes you have to push stuff aside, and sometimes you have to say, you know what? It's okay if my kid, my kid sleeps at 7 o'clock. I don't know what we can do with confession. It's okay if your kid sleeps at 7, 30, 45 one week. It's okay. He'll live. He'll survive. Right, kids? It'd be great. But you come to confession, not the party, whatever it may be. My point is to say is something is freely given to us. Freely. Like, do you charge for confession of Buddha? Do you guys charge here? In Lee? It's free. This is what I never understood, is that what we're giving away is free. There's no charge for it. And it's forgiveness of sins, cleansing for your soul. The heaviest thing, okay, is removed from you. Like I've taken, again, I'll ask Abuna. I've taken many confessions. I've confessed many times. Every single one has ended exactly the same. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Anytime it ended with you and it said, no, no, your sins are staying. Yours were really bad. No. Every single, like 100% of the time. If you confess a thousand times, a thousand times you'll hear. 
Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. If you confess a little sin or a big sin, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. And it's freely. I actually think that's the problem is the freely. And I'm not saying anything opposite, but I'm saying we tend to take for granted things that are made readily available to us. We, we tend to ascribe value with price. Okay, that's what we do when we go to Amazon and we want to buy whatever. We never buy the, the cheapest one because we like that must be cheap. We don't buy the most, we usually go for that middle one because we ascribe value and price. So confession is easy and confession is free. So it's like, yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it. No, 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 no. Everything Jesus did is free, but that doesn't mean it has no value. Confession, okay, what I'm praying, what I'm praying, and again, I'm sorry, this is not like, this is more of a, it sounds like a rant more than a sermon, I get it. But I'm saying it out of a love, out of love. Because like I said, I went to confession on Friday. And I went to confession carrying this much stuff. I went to confession having this much burden. I went to confession, worst person in this room here today. But I came out. Now it's only been 48 hours, so I'm saying give, give me some time. But you know what confession is? Confession is, you know when you're hot and you're sweaty and you're dirty and you're stanky? Confession is the shower. So my question to you, if you stink, why would you wait till tomorrow to shower? Why wouldn't you go shower today? Why would you say, I'll get to it when I get to it? Why? I want to read to you from the Pauline epistle today. I'm sorry, the, the Catholic epistle, not the Pauline epistle. Catholic epistle is 2 Peter chapter 1. St. Peter says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Here's the part I wanted. By which have been given to us. If we took these words I'm about to say, if we took this literally, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Every one of those phrases is its own sermon, which I'm not. Every one of those, given to us, freely given to us, exceedingly great and precious promises, that you, through these you may be, may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Long story short, bottom line, here and confession and all the sacraments, the sacraments for us are ways to partake in the divine nature of God. They're ways for us to participate in the life of Christ. Think of heaven above, eternity, infinity, glory, everything up there. And think of us down here on earth, stinky and miserable. Every sacrament is a, okay, like a conduit, like a pipe, okay, like a pipeline. So there's heaven all up there, and we're down here. And then when we open the Eucharist pipe, a pipe opens between us and heaven. And some of us open that pipe once a month, okay, because, you know, we're busy on Sundays, whatever. And some of us open it very, very, very little because we're distracted on Sundays. We don't do the reading, and we come, whatever. So, but then some of us, we open that pipe on Sunday, and Sunday morning becomes a connection with heaven, where all of heaven's power pours down upon us. Same thing with confession. Every Saturday night, there's a, and you say, I'm going to open that pipe and confession once a year. On the, the Good Friday, before Good Friday, I'll open it up and I'm going to drink, but the rest of the year, I'm going to be thirsty. And I tell you, that's your loss. Every time, 
We participated in the mysteries. Every time we participate in Eucharist, we're sitting at the table of the Lord Last Supper. Every time we participate in the sacrament of confession, we stand at the foot of the cross. We stand at the foot of the cross. And Jesus, standing on top of the cross, not standing, hung on the top of the cross, says, as the people were sinning and the people were crucifying him, what's the first thing that Jesus said on top of the cross? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Sacrament is our way of connecting with that sentence. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That sentence that Jesus said, we connect through it through the sacrament. Just like in the same way that Jesus said, take this, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said that one time. Okay, he said that one time. But every time we gather at the Eucharist, that one sentence, we live it. That one sentence, do this and take, eat, this is my body. And drink, this is my blood. That one sentence, every time Eucharist, we participate in that sentence. Same thing. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. From the, from the top of the cross, every time we come to confession. And that's why it breaks my heart when we sit there and we leave it and we don't take advantage of it. So what I'll say to everyone this and I'm done. For me, when it comes to confession, like I said, I just confessed this past week. I feel on top of the world. I want everyone to feel on top of the world, especially because I know that it's freely given, especially because I know that so many people feel not on top of the world. Like I said, guilt and shame and carrying and thirsty and whatever. I would do this if I were you, and I tell this to all people. If there's anything that's important in life, you should do your best to systematize it. Do you know what systematize means? The blues in the room will love what I'm about to say. Anything that's important in life, you don't leave it to chance. You don't leave it to when you feel. You make it a system. So for example, okay, when it's time for like your yearly vacation, that's a system. You take it every July or you take it every August or you go every summer. You don't wait until you need it. When you time to go to the dentist, you don't wait until you say, okay, my teeth feel really crummy these days, so I'm gonna go to the dentist. You hopefully go regularly because it's important. Confession is important. So you should systematize it. You should make it that you have a schedule for your confession. I'll go ahead and suggest a schedule based on mine. My confession, I can tell you exactly, like I said, I just confessed this past Friday. I can tell you what my next confession will be, plus or minus two weeks. I confess 3, 6, 9, 12. That's when I confess. That's when me and Marianne do it. We make it very simple. We go quarterly. So we confess in the month 3, 6, 9, 12. So that's 3 is March, 6 is June, 9 is September, 12 is December. That's when I go. I don't wait to say, I did something really bad. Let's go to confession now. I don't wait for that. I go. I don't think in six months, I don't think I'm going to need my dentist, but I'm going to go. I don't think that, you know, that, you know, now I'm 45, so I got to get the colonoscopy every so what? Like, I don't think I need it. But the doctor says go and check it because that could be important. So you know what? We go in there and we get this, everything checked out. I don't think I need confession in September. No, but if it's been three months, I need to go. At a minimum or, or maximum. Minimum or maximum? Maximum, okay? At a maximum, three months. Not minimum. Yeah, maximum. So I would recommend you do the same thing. I would recommend that you go to confession, and as soon as you leave, you know when your next one's gonna be. Doesn't have to be three months, could be two months, could be four months, but I wouldn't go any more than four months. Like that's kinda, so three is kind of like a, a good number. It could be once a month, okay? So when I was, when I was younger, and I was, you know, uh, in, in, when you're in a, a season of transition, then maybe more frequent is, is, is better for you. But my point is, don't leave it to chance. You should make it a system. 
And you should be able to tell me, if I say to you, when's your next confession? You should say, it's going to be whenever. And in case you say, I can't remember my last one. Every Saturday night, Father Abraham is here. And he is available. Any charge? No charge. All welcome. Anyone's welcome. Come to church on Saturday night, attend the Vespers, and then come receive exactly what this man heard right here. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. The sweetest words. And then, and now I'm really done, and then there's a reason why confession is Saturday night. Because there's a, there's a connection between confession and communion. And the order is important. Sometimes people come and say, can I confess after church on Sunday? I get it. Some people travel. Like, I get it. You have no choice. You have to do it after Sunday. But that's by far not the best option. Because you know what that is? That's come home sweaty and nasty and disgusting and dirty after a long day of work. And then come and let's have hug time together and intimate time and then shower. No, 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 no. Do the shower and then the, and then the, the hug will be much nicer. Okay? So that's what that is. Sunday morning is the hug. And it's like dirty and yucky and you're dirty and I'm dirty and everyone's dirty. So we come on Saturday, we clean, and then we come Sunday and we celebrate Eucharist. And you know what the word Eucharist means? What does Eucharist mean? The word Eucharist means Thanksgiving. And what are we thanking God for? Well, we received on Saturday, which is that cleanness and that healing for our souls, our bodies, and our spirits. Okay? I say this, like I said, not to make anybody feel guilty, not to make anybody feel bad, but I say this because I know what has been freely given to all of us and is available to us, and I hope and I pray that we can make the most of this great sacrament. Glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart, and we pray that it will not only inform you but will also transform you and your life with Christ.